Week seven of college football was absolute madness. Tennessee knocked off top-ranked Alabama. Utah came back at home, defeated undefeated USC. TCU found a way to come back and beat Oklahoma State. They stayed undefeated with a double overtime win. If college football has taught us anything, though, this week eight slate has every chance to deliver even wilder results that probably will have more impact on the postseason this year. Today, we're just going to get ourselves familiarized with this week eight slate. I'm going to focus on 11 storylines that I've identified heading into this week eight slate that will have long term ramifications. Before we get into today's show, just want to let y'all know the oddsbreakers.com is your number one source for sharp sports betting information. We've got free pick articles, premium packages. Uh, a slew of handicappers over there handicapping NHL, NBA, uh, coming back tonight, NFL, college football, really everything. I'm doing baseball as well. Head over to theoddsbreakers.com. Take advantage of what we're offering over there. And then also here on the Oddsbreakers podcast network, Kiev has got his uh, original Oddsbreakers podcast. Chris Farley, Farley Betts, laying the points. He comes on weekly and talks about the NFL, and I'm sure he'll talk about the NBA coming up as well. And then Patrick Gates with the expected bets. Lots to offer here at the Odds Breakers, so check us out. Without further ado, let's get right into today's show. You know, my first storyline, Ole Miss this past weekend, 48-34 win against Auburn. They moved to 7-0. Now, I don't think a lot of people were taking Ole Miss seriously, and I get it. They haven't really played anybody. Uh, they had a very easy non-conference slate. Uh, you know, Tulsa is, is a pretty tough group of five game, and, and even they kind of struggled in that game. But their one non-conference, you know, power five game was at Georgia Tech, who at the time was still led by Jeff Collins, kind of a program in total disarray. I know it's not these players' fault. It's not Lane Kiffin's fault that their schedule was what it was. Very favorable non-conference schedule, to say the least. Not, not only that, they've arguably already played the two worst teams in the SEC in Auburn uh, and Vanderbilt. They were lucky to win against Kentucky. You know, I know Ole Miss is 7-0, but there's a lot of, you know, question marks and, you know, rightfully so about how legitimate that really is and if that's going to carry, you know, forward with their schedule going to get tougher. I think we're going to find out a lot about Ole Miss this week. They're heading on the road to LSU, by far their toughest road matchup of the year. I've been a huge critic of LSU this year. Their offensive line has really played them out of, you know, both of their losses. They just totally decimated that Florida defense. They put up 45 points in that game, saw a lot of improvement from their offensive line. You know, defense has actually been a little bit shaky over in Baton Rouge this year, but Brian Kelly in year one, don't underestimate the fact he's beaten Florida. He's beaten Auburn. Uh, this team is five and two going into the stretch run of the season, and this will not be an easy environment to play in. If you're Ole Miss, you've still got Jackson Dart, who's a young quarterback. You're, you're wide receiving core, and you know, with your top tight end still a little bit banged up, your playmakers aren't exactly at full strength right now. And then defensively, I mean, I'm concerned about what I saw uh, from the Rebels against Auburn this past week. I mean, let's not forget Auburn going into that game against Ole Miss had failed to put up more than 17 points against a Power 5 opponent, had really struggled to find any explosiveness on that side of the ball. Well, they put up 34 points in Oxford, created a ton of explosive plays on the ground, a few through the air. They ran for over 300 yards on this Ole Miss defense. Going into that game, I, I thought Ole Miss's defense was actually legit. I thought they were going to be a team that was going to be led by their defense. You know, I'm having, some, I'm having some second thoughts now. So is Ole Miss a legitimate undefeated team? Or now that their schedule is going to ramp up, Will they start to falter? Can they lose three, four games down the stretch of the season? I, I think we'll, we'll find out a lot about this Ole Miss team uh, in Death Valley this week. Next, UCLA. Uh, kind of along that same vein, I think, although I think they've passed the eye test maybe more than any other team in the country. They're undefeated, especially their last two games. I mean, 
kind of similar to Ole Miss. They actually played a very weak non-conference schedule as well. But unlike Ole Miss, they've won on two pretty big stages over their past two games. Remember a few weeks ago on that Friday night, uh, they played Washington in the Rose Bowl. Uh, that game might have finished 40-32. to 32, Very misleading final score. UCLA blew Washington out of the water. Dorian Thompson-Robinson had a career day. Zach Charbonnet ran all over that defense. And UCLA's defense actually played pretty well in that game. The very next week, they played the defending Pac-12 champ in Utah at home. Uh, they were actually four-point underdogs in that game at home. And what they do? They won that game, once again, kind of a misleading final score. They won that game by double digits. Utah had a late touchdown uh, to, to cut it to 42-32. But UCLA has dominated You know, two, pretty, two of the better teams in the Pac-12. Over their past two games, they're coming off a bye week. I will say this is a little bit of unfamiliar territory. Five of their first six games have come at home. Their only road game was at Colorado, who at that time was led by Carl Durrell. Another program in total disarray. They've improved a little bit since moving on from Durrell. But, you know, this is really UCLA's first test away from home. And, and not only that, you're playing in Austin Stadium, in Eugene, Oregon, one of the toughest places to play, not only in the Pac-12, but on all of college football, it's a you know, huge home field advantage for the Ducks. You know, since that opening week loss to Oregon, and I don't know if you can call that a loss. That was a total drubbing. I mean, Oregon had zero shot in that game. They've shown a lot of good things. I mean, they took care of BYU. They found a way to win a tough game against Washington State. They've, they're another team that's really started to pass the eye test. They've started to get some style points. They're 5-1. and one. Bo Nix is playing the best football of his life. Because not everything is falling on him. They got a lot of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. And as has become custom with Oregon, they're really good in the trenches. So I've gushed about UCLA since the preseason. I played them over the eight and a half wins. DTR is a fifth-year starter that's only gotten better with time. Zach Charbonnet is a true bruiser at that running back position. And listen, I think a lot of people forgot about how genius Chip Kelly really is. He took over the UCLA job, and it was a little bit of a rebuild. I think people forgot about just you know how big of an offensive savant he is. You could argue he's had as much of an impact on how offense is run in 2022 than any other coach in the country. Chip Kelly is still a genius. He's going to have his guys ready to go. I worry a little bit about UCLA's defense in this game, so he's probably going to need DTR and Charbonnet to both bring their A game. Needless to say, this could be the game of the week in the Pac-12. How does undefeated UCLA translate in this tough road environment? All right, next, this is a little bit close to home. You see Bevo in the background. My Texas Longhorns, we survived, uh, and that is the right way to say it because we did not deserve to beat Iowa State this past week. We forced two turnovers in the red zone. Uh, a, a win is a win. You, you got to learn how to win ugly. We're now 5-2 and two overall. We're now 3-1 and one in conference play. But up this week, a tough road test at Oklahoma State. I think we're going to find out just how legit Texas is in the Big 12 title race this year. If you follow the Big 12 at all, there's not a conference in college football with more parity than the Big 12. There's really no clear bottom dweller in the conference. And likewise, there's really no team that set themselves apart as clearly better than the rest. So, you know, Texas is obviously a team with as much upside as any team in the Big 12. You're going on the road to play a very veteran-laden, experienced Oklahoma State team. That's not just from a player standpoint. Mike Gundy is one of the most tenured head coaches in college football. You know, this is going to be Quinn Ewers' first road start. I, I didn't think he played bad against Iowa State. We really just kind of leaned on the run game uh, to, to eventually get that win. Our only other road game this year was at Texas Tech back in September. We lost that game. How does Texas look in an unfamiliar road environment? 
offensively at least, still a lot of young pieces on the offensive line at the quarterback position. It's a very experienced defense, contrary to, to kind of the narrative around the team. You know, on the Oklahoma State side, there's some there's some real concerns about whether Spencer Sanders plays this game. You know, Texas opened close to a two, two and a half point favorite. I'm recording this on Monday afternoon. This line's all the way up to Texas minus six and a half. When you see a line move that much, Spencer Sanders was playing hurt at the end of that uh, TCU game this past week. That line moving four points is a pretty good indicator that uh, there are real concerns about whether Sanders suits up against Texas. You know, he's been their guy these past four years. The quarterback depth has not been great there uh, since Sanders took over. So if he isn't able to go, how does Mike Gundy adjust? Does he pound the ground game? Does he just kind of plug and play? Who's ever next on the depth chart? Going to be interesting to see. Needless to say, both these teams enter with one conference loss. Uh, this game has major Big 12 title ram- ramifications. Texas will have a bye after this week, and then they'll go to Manhattan, Kansas. If Texas is a legitimate contender in the Big 12, especially with Sanders not being at 100%, this is absolutely a game you got to win. We'll find out if Texas has truly taken that next step and is finally able to live up to all the potential they have. All right, sticking in the Big 12, TCU remained undefeated. They were down 14 points in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma State. They came back, won the game in double overtime. You know, they're going to have to get right back on the horse this week and, and maybe have an even tougher matchup. Kansas State, who's undefeated in conference play, their only blemish was a loss at home to, to, to a you know very feisty two-lane team. But Kansas State's undefeated in the conference. They got a much better defense than Oklahoma State did, specifically a pass defense. Now, this is another tough test for TCU. They've kind of been through the gauntlet, ringer, whatever you want to call it here over the past three weeks. Remember, they broke out with that 55-point performance against Oklahoma. Probably could have put up 80 if they wanted to. Um, then they go on the road to Kansas, America's darling. Find a way to win that game. They come back this past week against Oklahoma State. You know, this is what the Big 12 is. Every There are no easy wins. There are no off weeks. Like I said, Kansas State is a team that is led by their defense. They've obviously got Deuce Vaughn on the offensive side of the ball. This game is absolutely going to come down to which Adrian Martinez do we get. The, the fifth-year quarterback has really kind of been as inconsistent at Kansas State as he was at Nebraska. He actually played pretty well uh, in their past game against Iowa State. I know they only put up 10 points, but he was able to hit on some you know chunk plays through the air. That being said, there's been other games where he's looked pretty lifeless as a passer. He, he is a threat with his legs, and that does add another element to his game. But you know, can Adrian Martinez take care of the football? Probably going to be the deciding factor in this game. Something to note as well, Kansas State's coming off a bye. TCU is coming off a double overtime game. Kansas State obviously has the massive rest advantage in this game, but TCU has shown they got playmakers galore on the offensive side of the ball. Can TCU sustain success? They've had a good start to conference play, had a good start to the season, but as we've seen in the Big 12, you're going to have to bring it every week. You're playing a rested team. Which TCU do we get? Nick Saban, Alabama, obviously coming off that loss at Tennessee. They, they were kind of showing cracks all season. Texas probably should have beat them. That game the week before against Texas A&M came down to the wire. Uh, finally, the explosiveness of Tennessee's offense, Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, Alabama's overall mistakes. It finally came back to bite them. They're officially in the loss column. Uh, do we see a classic Nick Saban bounce back game? I mean, listen, Mississippi State these past two years against Alabama has failed to reach the end zone once. They got shut out in 2020, uh, and they had to settle for three field goals last year. Funny enough, Alabama, when they lost last year at Texas A&M, they got Mississippi State the very next week, uh, and they won that game 49-9. to It was really their only decisive road win of the year. This game's obviously back in Tuscaloosa. We know how good Nick Saban is off a loss. This would, on paper, appear 
to be a pretty good bounce back spot uh, for the Crimson Tide. You know, the one thing I'll say about Alabama, and this is kind of you know contrary to what you'd think about a Nick Saban led team. They're pretty undisciplined, man. I mean, they had 17 penalties in that game against Tennessee. And I know a lot of those were procedural, but they struggled with penalties against Texas. They had over 100 yards in penalties in that game. Will Anderson was a huge culprit in that Texas game. So this is a team that it's probably not going to show in this matchup at home in a game that you should be able to name your number. But just something to know for Alabama, they're not a flawless team either. You know, they can be had too. Needless to say, for as much good as Mike Leach has done, since he since arriving in Starkville back in 2020, this is the one test he has not even come close uh, passing. I mean, like I said, they failed to reach the end zone in each of the past two seasons. So should be a pretty nice bounce back spot for the Crimson Tide. All right, how about Syracuse? Maybe the most surprising team in the country this year. You know, their win total was around four and a half, five coming into the year. A lot of people suspected if Syracuse doesn't make a bowl game, Dino Babers is gone. Well, they've already passed that test. They're six and zero. Oh. Uh, beat NC State this past week. And yes, I know Devin Leary didn't play in that game, but really all year, Syracuse has stepped up really well in their bigger games. They blew out Louisville to start the season, uh, and then they also beat Purdue in a down-to-the-wire game a few weeks ago. So Syracuse is undefeated, going into a big game for them on the road at Clemson. You know, do we get a competitive game here? Can they put up a good fight? Can they keep this a one-two possession game? The line is, you know, Clemson minus 13 and a half right now. The one thing I'll say about Clemson, I've been a little bit wrong about Clemson in the sense that I had my doubts about DJ Uyunglele coming into the year. He's silenced a lot of that. He's played well. Uh, I still don't think this offense is as good as people were making them out to be. You know, Clemson's kind of been through the ringer themselves over the past three or four weeks. Where they escaped Wake Forest with a double overtime win that very next week, maybe their biggest game of the season, took care of NC State. And then, and then they're coming off a really big road game at Florida State. You know, when, when these big games start to stack up like this, maybe Clemson is due for a, a down performance in this game. You're, you're catching a Syracuse team that is not going to be afraid of this matchup. I mean, we, we know how good Syracuse can run the football, but with both their quarterback and Sean Tucker at the running back position, but don't underestimate how much Garrett Schrader has improved as a thrower this year. You know, Clemson's secondary is still not in peak form. Maybe Garrett Schrader is able to move the ball through the air in this game. Can we get a good fight from Syracuse here? And is their undefeated record legitimate? All right, we just mentioned Purdue. You know, Boilermakers started the year one and two. They lost close to Penn State. They lost close to Syracuse. They've won their last four games, and that's the good thing. Uh, they've won them by an average of five points per game. They've had some really kind of down-to-the-wire games. This past week was no different uh, as 13.5-point favorites. They only beat Nebraska by six. They gave up 37 points in that game. Now, they were able to just absolutely decimate that Cornhuskers defense through the air, on the ground, really in any way they wanted to. But still, uh, another you know game that was closer than it probably should have been. They're heading to Wisconsin this week, going to Camp Randall. Uh, Wisconsin themselves is coming off a pretty disappointing game. In that first game with Jim Leonard as the interim head coach, they broke out with a blowout win at Northwestern. Well, they came back down to earth last week. They lost at Michigan State, who had lost their prior four games. So it seems like Wisconsin is still the inconsistent product that we know them to be. They're back at home here. And funny enough, Wisconsin's a two and a half point favorite in this game. Can Purdue find a way to continue winning close games? And the reason I frame it like this uh, two reasons. Well, it's notable because Purdue right now, they're tied with Illinois for the lead in the Big Ten West. Both those teams have one loss. Very similar to the Big 12. Big Ten West has got a ton of parity. If you're claiming to have a good feel about how that division is going to shake out, I don't know what to tell you. It's an absolute crapshoot. But more than that, uh, I, I'm interested because Jeff Brom, if you remember back to that Penn State game, 
complete control of that game with about five minutes to go. And he totally mismanaged the clock. The issue with Purdue is they're such a one-dimensional offensive system. Aside from last week, haven't really been able to run the ball this year. Uh, you know, Jeff Brom really kind of mismanaged the end of that game. To consistently win close games, you got to be able to run the football. You got to have a coach that knows how to manage those, you know, four minute drive scenarios. So in a game that's probably going to come down to that, I'm interested to see, you know, can Purdue continue to run the ball the way they did last week? You wouldn't think they'd be able to going up against Wisconsin's defense. And then, I mean, Wisconsin is not officially out of it yet in the Big Ten West race, but, you know, you're not really playing for much this year. Now being at three and four overall, my bigger takeaway in this game is, you know, can Purdue and what's probably going to be a down to the wire game, find a way to win close, find a way to win ugly once again. Our second in the Big Ten, something's got to give in this Minnesota-Penn State game. Both of these teams kind of come limping into this matchup. Minnesota's lost their last two games. Uh, they lost kind of inexplicably at home to Purdue. But even this past week, a really ugly loss at Illinois. They lost that game by double digits once again. Not only that, they lost Tanner Morgan, their starting quarterback. I know he played uh, very poorly in that game, but still a very important piece to that offense. Now his status is kind of unknown going into this game. Uh, on the other hand, though, Penn State, previously undefeated, goes into Ann Arbor this past week, uh, and, and really just were uncompetitive. I know that game was close at halftime. Uh, a pick six from Penn State really kind of skewed that halftime score. Michigan dominated that game from start to finish. Sean Clifford had one chunk run, I think a 62-yard run. Other than that, Penn State's offense was totally dormant in that game. I, I think if you're a Penn State fan, your frustration comes more so from just not being able to step up against a superior opponent. Well, this doesn't really apply in this situation. I know Minnesota is a good team, but they're reeling as well. You're a five-point favorite at home in this game. It is a must-win game for Penn State as well. Minnesota is not out of the Big Ten West race, and that's why I kind of frame it like something's got to give here. Can Minnesota's offense get back to the way they were playing throughout the first month of the season? And can Sean Clifford's experience prove to be enough if Tanner Morgan doesn't play this game? Lots of question marks on both sides. Interesting, interesting game here in State College. All right, Miami, the Hurricanes, came into the season with a lot of hype, uh, started the year out 2-0. and they, they lost three straight games, Texas A&M, Middle Tennessee State, lost against North Carolina. Well, they finally got back on track last week. Uh, it wasn't exactly a pretty win. They didn't cover on the road uh, against Virginia Tech, but they found a way to win 20-14. to You know, now they're coming back home and playing Duke. Duke is a team that you know started the year out hot. They were four and one. Well, they've lost their last two games, including an ugly loss at Georgia Tech. As good as the start was, Mike Elko is still a first-year head coach. They had a lot of concerns coming into the year. Seems like they're starting to kind of fall back down to earth a little bit. Can Miami, for the first time in 2022, really break out, win a game by double digits, and really just kind of run somebody off the field? They haven't done it yet this year, even against Southern Miss. Uh, that was a very ugly win. You know, something that, that I, I think we need to talk about, Tyler Van Dyke. Came into the season with a lot of hype, a lot of expectations. A lot of people thought he was the best quarterback in the ACC coming into the year. He obviously struggled early on. He ended up getting benched, actually, against Middle Tennessee State as their offense was just uh, totally out of sorts that day. Give credit to Tyler Van Dyke. These past two weeks, he's thrown for 850 yards, five touchdowns, just one interception. This is a really a matchup where he should be able to you know, continue that trend. Duke has limited pass rush, and their secondary has gotten exposed in some of their tougher matchups this year. On paper, at least, this should be another big day for Tyler Van Dyke. Can Miami's defense hold up their end of the bargain? And they've been solid this year. That Middle Tennessee State game seems to be kind of the anomaly because they look good against Virginia Tech. They even stepped up well against teams like Texas A&M and, relatively speaking, North Carolina. 
Uh, I'm not saying I'll be on Miami minus seven and a half, although it's certainly my lean early in the week. This feels like a spot where Miami can finally start to live up to that preseason potential and really put a team away that they should. All right, Cincinnati. We haven't talked about the Bearcats a lot this year. You know, obviously they, they've these past few years have kind of you know run away with the American Conference and become the dominant force, the team to beat uh, in the AAC. Is that still the case? When Cincinnati lost that close game at Arkansas Week One, I would venture to say that a lot of you watching this video have not kept up with Cincinnati season. You know, they haven't really played on a national stage since. They've won their last five games. They blew out Indiana at home. Uh, they, they had a pretty impressive double-digit road win at Tulsa, who's a pretty feisty team. They're coming off a bye week, and they're heading to SMU, who has been pretty disappointing this year. I mean, lost close games against Maryland and TCU, but last time a lot of you saw SMU, they on that Wednesday night game a few weeks ago, kind of that weird standalone game, they got absolutely blown out against UCF. And even last week, they beat Navy, but they didn't cover. That game was a lot closer than it probably should have been. So it's been a pretty underwhelming year for SMU coming off a bye. You might think this is a spot where Cincinnati can run away with this game. And this line is, is kind of stood out to me. This line opened you know, closer to four, four and a half uh, towards Cincinnati as the road favorite, down to two and a half at some spots. So there's a lot of people that think just from a spot perspective, SMU is going to step up for this game. One thing you have to consider in, in, in you know matchups like this, Cincinnati being what they've done in the American Conference, they're going to get everybody's best punch. Teams like SMU have not had the season, the start to the season they've wanted to have. You're probably going to see the best version of the SMU Mustangs that you've seen all year. So that kind of plays in, into these kind of matchups as well. Does Cincinnati overlook a team like SMU because they got to go on the road next week uh, and play UCF, who's looked from an eye test perspective, from a record perspective, like a much tougher opponent? This is a really interesting game, and I, I know Cincinnati has not really been in the news. Hopefully they aren't in the news for the wrong reasons this week. Are they still a dominant force in the AAC? If they are, this is a game they should be able to take care of business. All right, last thing I want to get to here, Texas A&M. They're coming off a bye. The last time we saw them was in Tuscaloosa uh, when, when Haynes King just missed Evan Stewart for a game-winning touchdown that would have shocked the college football world. Uh, and as 24-point underdogs, A&M was, was just inches away from beating Alabama. Well. Like I said, they're coming off a bye. They now sit at three and three. They've got an interesting test this weekend. Night game at South Carolina. They're a three, three and a half point favorite in this game. My big takeaway and storyline of this game, and I think, you know, I'm not trying to pick on AM and AM fans when I say this, but their offense has been absolutely lackluster this year. And it's been talked about a lot. I think it'll continue to be talked about a lot until we see some sort of change. Um, personally, that change might not come until next season when Jimbo Fisher is forced to go out and get and kind of outsource his offense to a young creative mind. I'm still wondering, though, with the bye week, do we see any sort of creativity, any sort of mix up with this Texas A&M offense with Max Johnson on the shelf with a broken hand? It's going to be Haynes King once again in this game. I would consider his performance against Alabama more so gutsy than effective, uh, but 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 give him credit. He stepped up in that spot. This is another game on the road. Winning on the road in the SEC is hard. I think that's proven true this year more than ever. South Carolina is 4-2. and two. South Carolina is also off a bye. And South Carolina is coming off an impressive win on the road at Kentucky. They're not going to be afraid to play this A&M offense. And, you know, given how A&M looked against Sam Houston State and Appalachian State and even a pretty easy matchup against Arkansas's defense, you know, I don't know why they would be. Did AM really use that bye week to, to kind of regroup and add any sort of creativity to their offense? If they haven't, 
it's going to continue to be talked about. And the, the heat around Jimbo Fisher and how he's handling that program is only going to ramp up. All righty, guys, that's going to do it for today's show. Appreciate y'all listening. I'm going to come on here early in the week, every week, uh, and, and kind of get us all familiarized with that particular week's college football slate. As I mentioned, last week was crazy, probably the best slate of games all year. But this week with UCLA, Oregon, with LSU, Ole Miss, with some of these big time games, it's sure as college football has proven not to disappoint. I'll see you guys next week. Best of luck uh, if you're betting on the NBA playoffs, obviously the NFL. And then, of course, the granddaddy of them all, college football. I'll be back next week. Best of luck. Y'all have a good week, a good weekend, and I'll be back next Tuesday.